Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. So, welcome back to yet another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I can't believe I almost forgot the name of what we do. <laughs> like I, um, yeah. I've done that too. So, um, I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have a guest again today. Someone who's been on with us before. Yes, we have Augusta Harding back. Yeah, Augusta was... Uh, in performance-based religion once and then she came to know the Lord and then she reached back to folks in ministry for many years and so she has a a rich experiences to share with us. Right and so we're going to kind of pick up on your story Augusta and where we left off last time if I remember right is you and Dan were members of the Mormon church Uh, you'd been to the temple and you were really entering into kind of life as full-on Mormons in Indianapolis. So so did you and Dan, were you committed enough that you didn't talk about it back at home? You Absolutely never talked out of sleep? Say a word. Okay. But when we saw each other in the garments, in the undergarments, the secret underwear that we were never supposed to remove except for bathing and, and you know, changing daily, mm-hmm. Dan looked at me and said, well, that's very good birth control because that's the that's the most unattractive piece of garment <laughs> oh. I've ever seen on your body. So <laughs> that's what every wife wants to hear from yes, her husband, really. right? Yes. Oh, so anyway, but we were diligent and we kept getting callings and mine were usually in the Relief Society as a teacher okay. and teacher of young women uh, and uh, so forth. I was often in charge of the road show and writing things and you yeah. know yeah right. okay so here's a question i have now that you've gone through the temple did you ever hear back anything from orrin hatch yes as a matter of fact i did one time which is so amazing that when i had come out of mormonism there was a conference just out we'd just become christians and another couple that we had helped come out okay she and i were invited to the Capstone Conference in Salt Lake City. Oh, sure. Yeah, yes. that was a big former Mormon conference. Yes. They held every year for a lot of years. Yeah. Sandra Tanner and all the old timers. That was back Dick Bear, Sandra Tanner, Wally Toe, Granny, Granny Gear, and yes. all of them. And oh, we got man. to know them all. So we had a, a, a little session at noon where we were on our own. So I said, let's go to Temple Square. And oh. we did. And uh, we're there, and, and we were kind of thrown out of there because we were praying with a couple of missionaries. So I said, let's go to the mall, and there's CCMI Mall there. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we're at the CCMI Mall, and it's uh, like at noon and teeming with people. And I said to Glenda, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be horrible if we ran into Orrin Hatch here? I haven't seen him for years. I no longer say it that I'm looking at the man. Oh my. And he's, he was eating ice cream uh-huh. with two lifeguards. 
for bodyguards. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, because at that point he's. I said, Glenda, that's him. And she said, You're lying. I said, No, look at him. That's him. Now and at that point he's an apostle, right? Yeah. No. No, he's, he's a, a senator. He's now. a senator. Yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, she said, uh, Go talk to him. I said, No. Are you crazy? No. And and she said, Go ahead. You could witness to him. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, Well, I'll sit here, and if he notices me. If he speaks to me, I'll say something. Okay. So I'm sitting there, and he's looking at me, and he, he went like this, like, hello. And then he does a double take. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my, oh, my goodness. And he walks up to me and goes, oh, and he touches his face and said, I must have aged horribly. Wow. Worried about how he was looking physically to you. Yes. I said, Oren, I think we both have, and hopefully we've matured also. <laughs> so, Good answer. So what did he say to that? So he sat down and said, well, where's Dan? And I said, well, he's home. I said, he's home in Indiana. Well, what are you doing here? I said, I'm at a conference. And he said, well, what kind of conference? I said, well, it, it's a, it's a, a capstone conference. It's ex-Mormons for Jesus. And he said, well, you're not an ex-Mormon. I said, yes, I am. And he said, wait a minute, you guys went through the temple. I said, so yeah. So he's, he's been he following said, what your life. This is verbatim. He mm -hmm. says, what happened? And he said, I said, I became a born-again Christian. And he said, well, you could have done that in the church. Wow. I said, no, Orrin, <laughs> I don't think you know what it means. I said, May I? I said, this is not the place. I mean, teeming with people. And these two guys that were with him are kind of glaring at us. And I said, look, I'll write you. Can I write you? He said, please do. Please do, Augusta. Please do. So he gives me a hug, and this was over. You know. Wow. Dan and I wrote him a six-page letter with scriptures and testimony and everything. Never heard a word from him again. Yeah. Wow. You and Dan were members of the Mormon Church. Uh, you'd been to the temple. And you were really entering into kind of life as full-on Mormons mm -hmm. in Indianapolis. Right. So pick up there with that yes. part of your life and then how God okay. brought you guys out. Thank you. Yes. My favorite part is when God brought us out. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we were deeply in first. Okay. And uh, it was just a typical Mormon story. I don't think there's anything unique about our story. We were just a typical golden couple. Okay. You know, do it, going to all the meetings, keeping all the food storage, teaching all the classes, attending everything, you know, going back to the temple. As I shared before, I was rather shocked at this temple ceremony yes. where I had to swear that my life would be taken if I didn't live up to what I was doing in the, in the temple that today, uh, the covenants that we were taking. And so... Uh, I tried very hard to, you know, become the perfect wife. I was learning Mormonism now. Okay. I was buying books. I read the Ensign magazine every time it came. Yes. And uh, from cover to cover, I likewise read the New Era, which was for the the teenagers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and huh? so forth. I can't remember what the baby one was, but uh, I read that too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the friend or something like uh -huh. that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I lived, thought dreamed, breathed Mormonism. I mean, I was completely zealous right. in it.
Now, was Dan uh, just as zealous? Was he actively well, involved, almost, calling? But see, okay. Dan was a businessman. He had to be flying all over the world and, and, and okay. couldn't always, you know, be, be as uh, studious as I was. But eventually, <coughs> excuse me, he was part of the bishopric. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he was really gaining a quote testimony. And most of the time I was telling him, like, Dan, look what Heber C. Kimball said. Look what this guy said, you know. Or I was reading all these old, uh, you know, books and journals and getting a rather vast library in okay. our home of the writings of the, quote, prophets. So um, one day I came across something very disturbing, and that was in the journals, I think it was called like the Discourses of Joseph Smith or something like that. Right. Journal yes. of Discourses? No, it no. was not no. the Journal of oh, Discourses. Oh, was it, was no. it the Teachings Discourses of the Prophet of Joseph, Joseph Smith? Smith? Yes. They did a book, blue yes. book, called The Teachings blue of the book. Prophet yes. Joseph Smith. Yes. 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 And I was reading that, of course, hanging on every word. And then I came across a very disturbing quote where he said he had done a greater job than ever any man had that he was the only man since the days of Adam who was able to keep a church together. Neither Peter, James, nor John, nor, nor even Jesus, Jesus did it. Yes, And wow. I thought, no man has do done such a work as I. And then he ended it by saying, the followers of Jesus run away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never run away from me yet. Yes. And I thought, ooh, wait a minute. What, this doesn't sound like my prophet, you know. So I was disturbed enough to the point where I called my home teacher, John. Okay. And poor John, who was also a convert, came over. So you didn't tell him what you were calling him John about? You just said, I need to see you. No, I said, I need to see you right away, please, as soon as you can come. <laughs> and he came right away. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to him, and he went, what? And he read it over and over again, over and over, and he was very, very quiet. And I could see that he had never seen this before. And he's looking at the back of the book and the front and the flyleaf and all of this and saying, where did this come? Ah, wah, wah, wah. You know. Yes. And so he said, we have to ask the bishop about this. Okay. So he yeah. said he would ask the bishop and he would get back with me. But it never happened. He never got back with me. And I put this on a shelf in the brain. Oh my. Yes. Wow. That quote was yes. so disturbing to me. It's on page 222 yes. in the book. On yes. Oh, right. <laughs> you know right where it is. And yes. often when people come to yeah. that, it's, it really yes. is disturbing. 485 and 486, I believe, in the history of the church. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, or in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. In yes. yeah. So anyway, uh, I let that go. And then uh, just the same old, you know, going, now I was told, well, if you didn't feel good about the temple ceremony, it's because you are out of kilter with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so you need to go for, for others, for your dead relatives, of course, you know, and do yes. your genealogy. I hate the genealogy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Icelanders oh. are walking genealogies. And when I was a kid, I sat there and heard these endless recitals of genealogies and I kind oh, of really? spaced it out. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't want that. So now I had to do it. Four generations in each direction, you know. Uh -huh. Wow. And, and nobody could even pronounce the names I was coming up with, you see. Yes. So, uh, but I thought, okay, I cannot have eternal life. It says so, unless I do this. Mm. Yes. So we're, we're struggling with this, Dan and I. And uh, 
sure enough, we're going again. They said, if you didn't like your experience in the temple, just do it again and you'll get used to it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay. And we went to Salt Lake City because I wanted to go through that session. Right. With the live devil there. I was going to say, they that. were using live actors. And it got even and worse. The all seeing eyes. Yes, the yeah. all seeing eyes glaring at you there. And all the mirrors. And I was always told at the ward level that, oh my goodness, I saw my grandmother who was not a Mormon. And she was, I saw her in the mirror, mm -hmm. or my grandpa. And they were really? smiling. Wow. And they were so happy that we were doing this. And when I came to the Salt Lake Temple, there are mirrors very distinctly, you know, like, you know. In the ceiling. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I kept glancing at the mirrors. And I, I was kind of hoping I would not see my grandmother because, as I shared before, when I was in Iceland and everybody was going to seances, I was the scaredy cat. I didn't want any part of it. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and really. Thank God. The Bible, of course, warns us about necromancy, that yes. we are not to have to do anything to do with, with the dead, because, of course, we know they're not the dead. Right. They're impersonators from a very evil world. <laughs> the yes. God of the Bible is the God of the living, That's not right. the God of the yes. dead. Yes. So uh, now I'm there, and, and they're bragging a little bit about posts and pillars and how this is not marble, it's all painted in the tabernacle. And uh, we're taking this tour, you see, as we're doing this uh, uh, proxy endowment. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it occurs to me when I'm in the tabernacle, it's almost like God was saying to me, and God doesn't speak to me, no. But <laughs> a thought came to me that, wait a minute, everything is an illusion nothing is real here hmm. it only has an appearance of being real you're talking about the temple yes. not the tabernacle the tabernacle now because we were i'm sorry i jumped from the temple to the tabernacle yes yes but the the the, po the pillars are that look like marble are not they're wood okay and they're all painted to look like marble and i was told also in the temple that there were many things that were were just pine were painted to look like oak and so forth like nothing oh was, fascinating yes, yes. Huh. so nothing was as it nothing really truly appears. It appeared huh. and this thought was so strong with me that you know could it be but i didn't let myself really you know finish the thought mm -hmm. right but i began to be very uncomfortable in salt lake city everything there was very disturbing to me for some some reason mm -hmm. i was glad to get out of there Wow, okay. And, uh, so we came home and life just continued. My kids are in Carmel High School. My daughter is 10 years old now. She's best friends with the mission president's uh, daughter. Okay. The mission president's wife becomes my best friend, Mella Palmer, and she has gone now. She's dead. But Mella was the sister of um, Udall, Senator Udall yes. from Arizona, yes. mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful woman, funny, she's the funniest <laughs> woman I knew. We absolutely hit it off so quickly and we're so close, so uh, back and forth to the mission home all the time. And there was a third woman in Carmel, Jean Olson, who became my closer than any sister I could have had. I've never had a sister, I only okay. had two brothers. And Jean and I were like soulmates. 
our husbands were in the, basically on the same level in their companies, you know, okay. traveling sure. all the time. We had kids at Carmel High School, and we had one little one at home who were the same age in the same school. And so wow. it was just like, you know, this was just so close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We saw each other every day. We lived half a block away from each other, Jean and I, and there's a point to this. <laughs> so um, now one day, Christmas is coming. And it's, uh, and I've had many, many, many callings in the Mormon Church by this time. Okay. Christmas is coming, 1980. And Dan and I go downtown Carmel. It's dark outside. We go to a Christmas tree stand to select a tree. Right. And I have been working on the Christmas program at the ward, you know, just teaching the teenagers, uh, you know, you name it. Um, and I'm in it. Yes. <laughs> so, so then I'm reaching, I, I, I'm looking under the tree to see if the guy had cut the stem properly. Right. I wanted it a certain way. And I felt like, I thought, my first thought was, oh my gosh, have I been hit with a car in the head? Uh, it was like a thousand pound vehicle had hit my neck and I saw wow. stars. Oh, there was nothing there. And so Dan and he were, the man were going, are you okay, honey, are you okay? And I was in screaming pain. Take me home, take me home. So somehow we got home. He said, don't you want to go to the emergency room? I don't know. You know I didn't have the wherewithal to know what to do. Wow. And so I'm lying at home, and I thought, yeah, I'll either be dead, you know, from this or better. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, I wasn't better tomorrow, and I wasn't dead. Uh -oh. I was in the same agony. And it was the most horrible Christmas, as you can imagine. Yes. We so did what? Take, we did go to the hospital, and they, they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. Believe it or not, this was before they had gotten MRI here. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I believe they took a CT scan, and they couldn't see anything. And they didn't know what was wrong, you know. So just told me to take it easy and all of that. So thus began my, you know, being released from some of my callings because I couldn't do it physically. Right. Mm -hmm. Other than just visiting teaching, you know, if I could. Right. Mm -hmm. And they came and gave me blessings and all of that. And, and uh, you know, it was a terrible time. And but how long did this go on then? This went on like for months, really. Wow. wow, but it was the biggest blessing of my life. Uh, okay, <laughs> because Be now, God. Yeah. <laughs> now I had read everything Mormon, so the only thing I hadn't read was the Bible. Oh, <laughs> so wow! So there's the Bible, the King James Bible, is sitting on my table. Oh, and I I remember I had bought it. It was a large print Bible. I had brought, bought it brought, and brought it to the to the ward one time to sacrament meeting. And I got looks, like, what are you doing with that? <laughs> that <know>? big Bible. <laughs> and so uh, it was a mar maroon King James Bible, large print. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so I began to glance at it. And to my horror, I came across a scripture that when, when the um, Sadducees came to Jesus and asked him about the woman who had had so many husbands. Yes. Whose wife would she be in heaven? And Jesus answered that they err. They don't know the scriptures, but they will be not, you know, there's no marrying, 
nor giving away in marriage in the resurrection. They shall be like the angels. Mm-hmm. And that, I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. What about our eternal marriage here? Yes. And so I went to my bishop. Next time I saw him, Bishop Chamberlain, he was eating a chocolate cake because we were at a party. And I, I showed it to him. <laughs> and he glanced at it and said, oh, oh, well, huh, I don't know. I was just already... I think this is something the Catholic Church must have put in there. Yeah. Interesting. Perhaps yes. at the Council of Nicaea, as yeah. it yes. goes. Yes. Oh, Church wow. Put it in there. Oh, my. So I thought, yeah, sure, they must have, you know, yeah. you know celibate priesthood and all that. <laughs> so uh, I didn't think much about it, but that went on the shelf with the with the quote. With the quote Joseph. from Justice Smith, yes. And uh, mm-hmm. so th- things went on, and now I discovered, I was so bored, the TV was so boring in the daytime, and my kids were at school and Dan was at work and I was home with a headache and neck, so I began to turn my uh, radio on, trying to find a station that was half decent, yeah. and I came upon a station in Indiana, WBRI Christian radio station. Mm. Now is that the Moody radio station? It, Moody wasn't here yet. Oh, okay. Mm. So this was the only thing going in town. Ironically, on this same station, Dan and I in the future would have a program that we named From Fables to Faith. Wow. And that program ran for <laughs> 10 years. Wow, <laughs> on that very same radio station. Yes. So here, so here so you are. Here I is, am um, listening, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm hearing this old man with a funny accent. I am making fun of his accent. Can you imagine? <laughs> That's it, a little it, ironic. Yes. Jay Vernon McGee. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, my. <laughs> and he's taking you through the Bible. Oh, my. Yep. And I'm all ears, absolutely fascinated. Mm-hmm. And then I hear another man on there, and then and Warren Wiersbe. Yes. And, he, and I thought, well, those two agree, and the, the main attraction seems to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're always talking about Jesus. And strangely enough, they're all talking about the same thing. But I haven't heard the gospel yet, you see. Or right. My mind hasn't grasped it yet. And now I'm beginning to have this insatiable hunger for Jesus. And something that I could not give a name to. I called it it. I need to know it. Where is it? The message that I need to know. Yes. Mm. Because I could not articulate to anyone what our message, well, the restore gospel with the rules and the and the yes. storage mm-hmm. and all the of temple that. And, you know, the yeah. temple and <laughs> the garments and, and all of that. But I needed to know the bottom line. What mm. is the bottom line? Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I'm not getting any better. Am I really earning my way to the celestial kingdom? I've been told that only faithful Mormons and super good Mormons will make it to the highest heaven. Mormonism, for those who may not, who may be listening to us, yeah. has a twofold salvation. Many times, if you ask a Mormon, you know. Um, are you saved? The Mormon will say, oh yeah, we're saved. Everybody is saved. Right. Because mm-hmm. yes. everybody gets a resurrection at right. some point. Because mm-hmm. of what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane and finishing it on the cross. Mm-hmm. But that's where the line is drawn for salvation by grace. 
So Christians are often very confused when they ask a Mormon, are you saved? Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, we believe. It's the same rhetoric exactly, mm-hmm. right. except a totally different meaning. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Eternal life, however, going to the celestial kingdom, which the Mormons call eternal life, that is not salvation by grace. Jesus did not earn that for you. Yes. This is where you come in, and you mm. have to earn that yourself. That's right. By personal righteousness and perfection. Yeah. You see? So you're listening to the radio. So at what point do you start to recognize your spiritual need, your spiritual lack? When does that, what triggers that? I very quickly to recognize my spiritual lack you know, that I'm not this incredibly good holy woman that it takes because I was told in my meetings at the Mormon church that God cannot allow the least repetition of sin. Right. And I know Mm -hmm. I can gossip, I can even tell lies, you know. I'm deceptive in my heart. And this is beginning to bother me horribly. And at the same time, (laughs) I'm having this hunger to know this Jesus they're talking about. Yeah. Our Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer, you know. Right. He began in, in the pre-mortal existence in the womb of a goddess caused by Heavenly Father having relations with his wife. And that's all of Augusta Harding's story that we have time for in this episode. But join us over the next several episodes as she continues her fascinating story that includes she and her husband's deepening involvement in their new Mormon faith, being pursued by a prominent Mormon who wanted her to become one of his plural wives, and finding true faith in Jesus Christ and moving into an amazing life of grace and ministry. Lynn and I believe that Augusta's story will encourage you no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilders book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.